Hey everyone, I'm Terrence Steinberg and I'm preparing to row across the Pacific Ocean from San Francisco to Hawaii. And I'm Zach Smith. I'm not rowing at all, but I'm here to help tell the story. I spent the past 10 years exploring the far reaches of my mind and body. First through depression, and later through endurance sports like Ironman triathlons, ultra marathons, and now rowing the Pacific. With each step and even today, I found the biggest barriers inside myself. The doubts and fears and stories I had to rewrite in my heart. And each time I've discovered, I can always do more. That humans are infinitely adaptable. But I've also learned that knowing this myself is not enough. So this time I'm bringing you with me to hopefully inspire you to believe more in yourself and in the opportunity for a better tomorrow. Welcome aboard the United World Challenge. Another amazing part of the United World Challenge is that we are raising money to send students to the United World Colleges, focusing on students affected by rising seas caused by climate change. We want to fuel their dreams. Last week, we talked about the Pacific pivot. This week, we dive deep into what drives ocean rowing, getting out the word. Terrence, if you can summarize what's happened in the past week or two in, in one word, what would that be? Whirlwind. Why is that? It has been intense, Zach, between making the decision to pivot from the Atlantic to the Pacific and then managing the communications around that. Not just writing a blog post, but writing a newsletter. And at the same time, I was in Minneapolis last week to visit my college campus give some talks there, run a party for fundraising. And it's just been intense between the travel and all of the events. And what about the last day? Summarize that in one word. Recovery. Recovery and reset. I just got back from Minneapolis last night, Friday night. And it's been all about getting myself back on track for training, diet, bedtime, and recovering from uh, an avalanche of emails. <laughs> Wow. Whirlwind and recovery, two apt words next to each other, one necessary from the other. You've talked a bit about the struggles that you've had in the past with uh, depression and uh, the story that you tell yourself. What's the story that you're telling yourself this week? And how is that story changing based on what you're going through? So this past week, I knew it was going to be intense when I had lined up six talks in three days, one of them being a big event that I was organizing myself. And I was a little hesitant to do it. As the week approached, I thought, maybe I want to pull back from one of these. That's not really mission critical. And I said, the story I told myself was, this is training. This isn't the physical training. This is the mental and emotional training. And I really recharged with time to myself, as well as obviously physical exercise and just some quiet time. And I knew there wasn't going to be any this past week. So I told myself, this is training. This needs to happen. This is really good for me. And it's changing in that, yeah, it was really good. I reached a lot of new audiences and most of the events were awesome. There, in hindsight though, I think it would have been a net gain to probably do one fewer talk and just do better quality on some of the others. You know, there, there wasn't any big disaster by any means, but behind the scenes, I see already as it's happening before me what I would like to do differently. And, and so the story that's changing is to believe in the opportunity of any event to be sufficient and to believe that it's enough 
and to give myself a little bit of a break and prioritize myself for the long game. Wow. Yeah, I think that's that's something that I can apply to my own life, certainly in the present and past of believing that what I have done is enough rather than having to, to stuff one more thing in. But you mentioned a bunch of meetings, fundraising. What exactly were all these meetings for? So I've been in touch with my college president. I attended McAllister College in St. Paul for undergrad. And while I was there, set up some student organizations and had a great relationship with the college president. And we've been in touch as I've been preparing for the Atlantic Row and now the Pacific. And he invited me back to speak on campus and specifically to speak with other United World College alumni at the annual UWC banquet where they welcome the freshmen who just came from one of these UWCs and are attending McAllister now. And he said, hey, look, come to this, come to this banquet and give a talk. And I thought, well, while I'm, while I'm on campus, look, this is a place that really helped make me me. I would love to do more. And I know that college campuses are all struggling with mental health. So I reached out to counseling, counseling services on campus. And I said, is there a way for me to be of service help support a talk around mental health. And so we ended up doing a talk with uh, about 20 students on campus, just about my own journey with mental health and how I'm preparing for that with the row. I gave another talk on campus to a social entrepreneurship class, and then a couple of public events and one big party, which were more focused on fundraising and sharing the message of the United World Challenge. So in total, six events, half on campus and half more focused on the United World Challenge. Wow. Did that affect your life itself while you were there? I mean, you got everything you were doing to prepare for this. For sure. So I knew it was going to be intense and I expected not to have much time to train during the week. So the week before I just doubled down. And in the seven days before I flew to Minnesota, I did six personal training sessions in seven days. I have a team of trainers who are now working with me. They're absolutely amazing. And I said, look, next week I'm going to be out of town. The following week is busy too. That's this coming week now. And so we, we did a whole bunch of work together. So I expected to not be able to do much training, but the week was so busy in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, that I didn't do any. And there was just one, one morning where I was able to get a little bit of stretching in, but it was it was. I mean, I'm not complaining. Look, it needed to happen. And it's also a way for me to learn about what is possible versus what's ideal. And so, yeah, I definitely, my health and diet took a back seat. I knew it was coming, so it wasn't a surprise. But that's why when you say, what was yesterday about? It was about recovery and just focusing on my meals and sleep and, and getting back on top of that stuff. Yeah, that's a struggle in, in any major trip, especially work trips. But I don't want to lose sight of of what you were there for, which is yes, to talk about this program, but this, this project is about inspiring people. And you were talking on mental health. Can you give us an idea of what that was like inside some of those sessions? Can you give us a window into some of those conversations and the reactions from the students? Gladly, Zach. Thank you. So at the UWC alumni banquets where I was speaking, it was so cool to see this room that looked just like UWC. You have 
at McAllister, there are about 80 students who, who went to EWC who are now attending the school. And they come from all over the world. Just the incoming class of freshmen from UWC has come from 18 countries. So looking out at this, at this room of students as well as staff, it just was a beautiful reflection of humanity. And as I shared with them a little bit about the United World Challenge, but moreover, what allowed me to have the courage and skills to launch such an ambitious project, I shared one the curiosity and empathy that we all learned at United World Colleges by realizing both how small and how big the world is. I mentioned that same idea in the last episode. And it's so true when you get to UWC. You see, we have a lot more in common than we ever imagined, but there's also so many facets to the same problem or the same, same, same situation. And it was really beautiful to be able to share that idea of how UWC gave me the, the perspective and then McAllister gave me the skills, right? You have these values, yeah, but then how do right. you go about and improve them? And that's where starting student organizations on campus or taking, taking some lead on, on campus in university is such an important way to develop yourself and make an impact. And the students really resonated with that. After the talk was over, I stayed around and talked to dozens of UWC alumni who were there and we went through all different different types of conversations, some reminiscing on the UWC experience, others saying, look, you know, it's actually really hard to adjust to life on campus because we've spent the past two, maybe three years for students who took a gap year, like I did between UWC and college, these years living outside of the U.S., really growing, and then coming back to campus, and it's such a big shift, and they're saying, how did you adjust to this? And it was cool to be able to share. It was cool, but really moreover meaningful to be able to share how I navigated some of that. And it definitely can be a rough transition when you first start college for anybody. And as you know, as anyone knows who's gotten through that or another transition in their life, you adapt and you learn and you see where to find your place. And so being able to give students a little reassurance that it does get easier was reason enough to have gone to the cities for the whole week, just to be able to share that with them at the talk. Wow. Gosh, that brings back a lot of memories for me. I mean, I, you may not actually know this, but in the time since we knew each other in high school and now I studied abroad in Brazil for a year. So I went through a transition process living in Brazil. And then after living in Brazil for a year, came back to the States and had to readjust to the idea of living in the States in the culture that I grew up in, but I had assimilated so much and so well into the Brazilian culture that coming back was itself another culture shock, but a reverse culture shock. So it's, it's a real thing. Yeah, it totally it, is. Yeah. Reverse culture shock can be even stronger because you're not prepared for it. Right. You know, you're you not think, expecting it. Exactly. You think, okay, well, this will be normal. And you come back and you're a kind of different person. And funny, Zach, as you bring this up, it makes me think, yeah, well, guess what? Adjusting to life on land after two months at sea, two to three months at sea by myself will also be a bit of a reverse culture shock. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. conversations and seeing people. Uh, I know from other ocean rowers, the first few days you come back, you're a little weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was, that was one conversation. I'm trying to think of some others. Well, I'll share another piece. So at the event that I called inspire msp and this was our this was the fundraising event that i threw 
last Wednesday night in Minneapolis to share the story of, of the row with people and get them involved and understand what this really is, you know, more of a deep dive into the motivations. Mm-hmm. And it involves sharing the TED talk that I've written and, and giving people a crash course in ocean rowing and Q&A. But at the end of it, I invited a friend of mine who's a professional facilitator to lead a conversation that I called a mini mutiny. And what I wanted out of that was for me, all I could do in this session was just listen. I couldn't speak. I couldn't respond. And in, the, in this dialogue, it was all of the participants, the people who came that night, the folks I call crewmates, they shared what does inspiration mean to them? You know, an inspire means to, to breathe are the roots in Latin. And from inspire, there's also aspire. And what do all of these things mean to people? What are their hopes and dreams and fears? And it was right. incredibly humbling yeah. both to hear what this, how people perceive this, how it affects their life in terms of thinking where, where they can go a little farther in their own life. And also comments like, look, this is an incredibly privileged thing to choose to do. There are thousands of people crossing oceans and great bodies of water and crowded boats, and they don't even know how to swim. And when they get to the other side, and they're losers, they're unwelcome. And they're doing something that's even braver than what I'm doing, you know, and, and so in that conversation, it was a great reminder to say, yeah, this is inspiring. But let's remember, this is just an example of what's possible when we work together and to take those same ideas and apply them to other areas in the world too. Wow. Yeah, and the people coming across on those boats in those situations are losers not because of anything they've done, but the situations that they're they're fleeing from and, and coming into. They're either they're not welcome when they arrive, they're not welcome That's when they I left. Mean. Yeah. They yeah. yeah, I mean I mean that they're 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 viewed as losers by the land, by the folks who are already on the shores where they land and they're not welcome. You know, right. they're they're winners in the strongest sense. And, you know, I mean, they've overcome so much adversity, and I, it's just that we perceive them in a way that is so unwelcoming in so many cases. And I, I'd like to take this point to point out this moment to point out the United World Colleges some years ago launched a scholarship fund specifically for refugees, and I, th- I think that's really important. It's not a solution. Right, We can't provide a scholarship TWC for every displaced person, but that perspective is so valuable. Having a few refugees at each of these schools or as many as we can, we can accommodate, it adds so much value. I remember at the UWC I attended, the UWC of the Adriatic in Northern Italy, we had a student who grew up in a refugee camp uh, in Algeria. His family is from the Western Sahara, which is not recognized as a nation by most most other nations in the world. It's considered part of Morocco. And his perspective was invaluable, being able to share, you know, what what his journey was like growing up and his incredibly clear ambition and vision for the world and how he wanted to take this education opportunity and give back. And what he's done since UWC has been so incredible going to speak literally at the United Nations headquarters on behalf of his people. And just goes to show that when you give folks a voice, that, that you don't always know what they're going to say, but it, it's going to be incredibly inspiring and, and meaningful. And at the very least, they need the opportunity. So while the scholarships that we're envisioning here for the United World Challenge are for nations 
students from places that suffering the effects of climate change. I'm also really partial, you know, to supporting refugees wherever possible. And depending on how much we raise, how many scholarships we can raise, I would like to be very intentional. I will be very intentional about how we use those in partnership with the United World College movement to identify the place and, and individuals where they will make the most impact. That's amazing. I just noticed something that we may not have dotted out clearly for those who haven't heard of the United World College. What is the United World College? So it's a network, actually, of 18 international high schools uh, in 18 different countries, taking students from 155 countries and giving them scholarships specifically so that we realize we have a lot more in common than different. And working together, we can make a peaceful and sustainable future. And so these schools, they rely on scholarship funding. And the first school opened up in, in Wales in 1962 as a European experiment after World War II. And they said, why does Europe keep fighting with each other? Well, 57 years later, the schools are as important as ever. We see content, media, even get to travel to these other countries. But to what extent we truly get to know the other cultures and see people as humans rather than just enablers for the tourist experience we might be having, you know, that's right. different. I think it's, it's really essential. So these, the movement continues to grow and a new school just opened up this year in East Africa. It's the newest school in the United World College movement. It's amazing. And, wow. and, and it continues to grow. So the scholarships we raise will support this movement to empower young people from all over the world to work together for a better future. That's incredible. Makes me wish I had chosen to do something like that when I was in high school. I was lucky to get the opportunity for sure. Yeah. So it's my, it's my duty to pay it forward for someone else. Sure. Bringing this back into your experience in the past few weeks and how crazy you said your schedule was with all these different talks and these impactful, impactful, important meetings. You said this affected your diet and your, your scheduling, your workouts. What did you learn from that? And how did you and did you find a better way to balance this moving forward? Because you've got months left to prepare. I'll say that I, I did a better job than I have in the past because I've been lately more intentional about my diet, tracking every calorie on an app, tracking the macronutrient profiles of everything I eat and trying to hit specific targets every day, specifically 4,000 calories roughly. And I dropped the ball on that completely. I didn't track any meals all week long, but I was aware after doing this for a few weeks of roughly how much I was taking in. So I'll say I, I missed the mark. I definitely was, was probably 2,500 a day, which maybe is, is it, that's, that's more what's recommended for most people, but I have trained my body to have a high metabolism from endurance sports. And so actually that leaves me feeling very hungry and under undernourished and energized. So that all took a, it suffered. I did a better job, but it wasn't good enough. And what I will do differently going forward is schedule in time where I know this is when I have to eat <laughs> and doing a little more planning in advance and also just doing less better. Right. I kind of related to saying, okay, instead of six talks, maybe I'll do five. And just that little bit of extra time and space during the week, using it to be intentional and make sure I'm covering my bases and going into these things nourished and, 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 and properly present 
to honor yeah. everyone's attention, you know? So mm -hmm. that would be a big piece of it. Yeah. So focusing on quality over quantity while realizing that there's a certain quantity you have to have to cover all your bases, but really keeping the eye on quality over quantity. Yeah, that's right. And, and have you ever heard the phrase, Zach, that idea that the universe conspires to support you when you come up with a clear vision, you know what you want? Yes, yes. I love that. You know, and, and, and so it'll also give you what you need to teach you a lesson. <laughs> if you mm. aren't really clear in what you want and, and trusting that you're going to get it. And so yeah. in this, for me, it was really about quality, quantity because I wasn't feeling like any one of these things would be enough specifically, not on the things on campus. There it was, I was really committed to these three awesome talks. They went really well. It was more of the stuff specifically for sharing the story of the United World Challenge and fundraising, where every time I could do a new talk or a new audience, it was entirely a net new group. So I thought, okay, let's, let's do a bit more. But the logic behind that, I did some reflecting with a team of of folks from, from actually different organizations. We were just doing this accountability program. And I said, look, what, what's going on here? You know, if you take a step back, slow down, why are you doing so much this week? And we unpacked it and dug down some layers. And it was this mentality that I needed to do more because I didn't trust yet that any of them was quite enough. And instead flipping that around and saying, actually, there's abundance in my life. And there's, when I get clear on what I'm asking for, it'll show up and, and, and believing that I'm worthy of that thing that I'm scared of asking for, you know? Mm. So it's yeah. been really cool and digging down to some of the fears and stories I've told myself around why is it I'm trying to do so much because I don't yet trust that it's going to pieces of me don't trust that it's going to come together, you know, when I need something. Yeah. I can totally relate with that and being, being clear on, and what you want, because when something doesn't go exactly how you plan or you struggle in a way that you didn't really want to struggle, whether you perceive you're going to or not, it, it's tough to keep that vision clear and you add things into it, wanting to overcompensate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, something pretty remarkable happened this week at Inspire MSP. The first piece of the evening is the TED Talk. And I've given this for probably maybe seven or eight audiences. I know it inside now. I spent a hundred hours writing it and rehearsing it. And I've even given it live to 3,000 people before. And so I felt pretty comfortable with it. But Zach, when I got on stage, I gave this thing, I rolled through it. I got to the last 90 seconds and I went blank. I went uh -huh. blank. Here I was in front of, in front of like 40 people who gave their money to come hear me speak for the night. I've been saying, you know, promoting this thing. And all of a sudden I have to eat my words. I'm like, wow, guys, wow, this has never happened before. And it was really humbling. And so that's what I meant where I'm like, the universe will give you what you need. I needed to see where I could fall short, even in something that's clearly in my strike zone when I'm not covering my bases and in terms of like my mental well-being. Like if I'm the one delivering this thing and, and, and really on the, in the spotlight, I need to make sure that I'm positioned for success to honor what everyone has given me that night. And that's their attention and support. Right. So oh, a week of learning, a week of learning, let's say that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that was the last two weeks. What do you see on the horizon for the next two weeks? 
next two weeks. Well, going to continue recovery reset. Like I said, on my, excuse me, diet bedtime, those, those areas, I have a couple of really exciting leads for, for corporate partners yeah. and philanthropic support. So I can't say, get- I, I, <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to keep, keep tight right now. Okay. Uh, I don't give any names while these things are in flight, but I will say that I got some momentum from a few enablers, you know, someone who was a very generous backer of this project personally is making some introductions and, and opening some doors. So we'll be focusing on those areas for, from a kind of funding perspective, also focusing on the ocean health data collection initiative and identifying the kind of data we want to collect so we can solve back from that, both the data mm-hmm. to collect and the audiences that will use it, whether it's which level of schools, you know, high school and middle school kind of differentiate, uh, mm-hmm. can affect what we're trying to target. So some of those other areas and then plugging in with the engineering firm that wants to design these sensors and, and then system to upload the data to the cloud. So some of those pillars of the project, those are some of the main pieces and also lining up some, some further support for equipment and food for the project have brought on some new, new support since we spoke with another local food company here in Longmont, Colorado, that makes a, a bar called Honey Bunchies. They're absolutely delicious and connected with those folks and they're, they're donating some food for the journey. And it's more stuff like that, just lining up the support. Nice. Because every time a partner comes on board, Good. we cover the cost sooner. And I will start spending more of my time raising those scholarships instead of making sure that I have the food and equipment to cross across the Pacific and share the story. It's really those components. Awesome. Well, it seems like a packed last two weeks and a pretty packed two weeks to come. And I think at this point, we really need to thank everybody listening again to remind you all that none of this is possible without you listening. Everyone who's a part of it behind the scenes, but also those of you supporting from afar, donating your time, uh, just being a part of it and supporting the mission of this. So thank you to the crewmates and friends for listening and being a part of the United World Challenge. If this is your first time, welcome. And we hope you found something that you can use in your own life. Because after all, you are a big part of what and who this is about. Terrence, at this time, I think it's important for you to remind the folks how, if they want to, how they can get involved. Thank you, Zach. So whether you're new or you've been with United World Challenge for a while now, there are several ways to get involved. You can help keep me safe and share our story by making a donation to the challenge directly. Visit unitedworldchallenge.org and go to the launch page. And all of those funds go towards the equipment that I need to cross the ocean and share the story. You can also support the UWC Scholarship Fund to send new students to United World Colleges. Again, go to unitedworldchallenge.org and visit the mission page. The UWC Scholarship Fund, every dollar goes directly to UWC, UWC USA and the US, who manage all of those funds and they don't come through me or our organization at all and they all go towards scholarships. And if you're a donor in the US, it's completely tax deductible. You can also get involved personally, offer your time or a skill like Zach is doing by producing this podcast 
or connect us to a partner for equipment services or media coverage. And finally, inspire a more courageous world. That's about how you show up every day. Looking inside yourself, listening to your heart, and being brave. And show up that way for your friends and family and share this story. Until next time, and always keep believing in yourself and those around you. Together, we're rowing for a better tomorrow. See everybody. Thank you. Thank you. The soundtrack for this episode was composed by and is courteous of the artist, The Curious Kid, and can be found through SoundCloud at https colon forward slash forward slash soundcloud.com slash the curious kid forward slash. His Twitter handle is at jasnam underscore sidu. That's J A S N A M underscore S I D H U. And you can find him on Instagram at the curious kid. <laughs>